Good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, good to see you all. Um, I know we had a holiday on Thursday, and so that explains some of our absences that we'll mention more in announcements later, but glad to have all of you here with us. Um, I'm thankful for every one of you taking time to worship God today, and on a personal note, just being here where I am, because I like seeing you and I like having people around and seeing faces that are familiar um, the, the text that James read for us in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is where we're going to start. I'm not going to reread this text, though it's short. I do want to start there, though, because I want to mention a couple things from it. Um, part of me uh, likes to not talk about in sermons things that seem too obviously related to holidays. Um, I don't know if that's just me wanting to be different and not predictable or whatever. Normally, like... On the, when it's close to Valentine's Day, I'm like, man, I don't want to talk about love. Or, you know, by Thanksgiving, I'm like, well, don't talk about being thankful. Or, you know, insert whatever other holiday. I think on Memorial Day, ironically, I talked about, like, the idea of a memorial. And today I'm actually going to talk about being thankful. Um, I don't know what puts that in me to try to not do that. But today I decided to break that and talk about what it is to be thankful. Um... One, I think the reason I wanted to talk about this because I was thinking about it. I mean, it makes sense on Thanksgiving that a lot of us may be thinking about thankfulness and ideas that are related to it. Uh, I think also why I wanted to talk about Thanksgiving is just the stark contrast that Black Friday provides with like Thanksgiving on Thursday. And I know not everybody that participates in Black Friday isn't thankful for what they have, but um, it does seem to be kind of counterintuitive to what Thursday was about. And so I was just thinking about that and I thought, man, what does the Bible say about being thankful? And I was actually reading in um, a psalm, I don't know what day it was, Saturday or something like that, that really got me thinking, no, Friday that really got me thinking about this. And while I'm not going to bring that particular psalm up in this lesson, that's kind of where this came from. Um, but in First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, I want to look at a couple things, particularly verse 18. Um, I am operating in this sermon with the assumption that those that are going to be listening are Christians, are believers. And so that's the angle with which I'm going to be approaching this lesson. Obviously, um, if you haven't believed in Jesus and you haven't repented and been baptized and all those things, then I don't think biblically you're a Christian, and that's another conversation. And if you find yourself in that boat this morning... We can talk about that, but this sermon is aimed at people who are already walking with Christ and are trying to live a God-pleasing life. Um, so just consider that. Um, that's where I'm coming from this morning as I talk about this. But in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And I know different translations might say, like, in everything. Um, some say in all circumstances, some say in everything. But then the second part of this is what I found interesting. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I know that the giving thanks is really where we started in verse 16. is the third thing in kind of a sequence of three that is rapid fire. right? When you go back to verse 16, he says, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, and give thanks in everything. I think all three of those are why he says at the end of verse 18, and this is God's will for you. I think the culmination of those three things is a really succinct way to say, like, that's God's will for you, right? 
it is God's will for you to be rejoicing always and to pray without ceasing, to be thankful in all things. But I want to focus on that, verse 18, um, where it says, Give thanks in all circumstances or in everything, for this is God's will for you. Um, the more I thought about that, the more I think that's true. I think one kind of quick summarized way that you could look at Jesus' work and what he was able to accomplish for those who believe in God is that God made it possible to give thanks in all things. Like I can look at, and we're going to talk about this more, any circumstance that I find myself in as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, and be able to give thanks because of what Jesus has done. And that's going to mean different things, and that's going to be applied in different ways depending on what circumstance I find myself in, what context I am in, and we'll talk more about that. But I think that's true the more and more I think about it. And obviously, God sending Jesus to accomplish all of the work and to fulfill all the prophecies and to be perfect in every way was God's will. Right. And so it makes a lot of sense for me to say what Jesus was able to do provides me an opportunity to always be thankful, and that is God's will, because that's what he planned. Right? Before the foundations of the earth, he had planned to, to, to implement um, this perfection in Jesus, to send him as a sacrifice. And so verse 18 makes a lot of sense to me, and I want to talk a little bit about this. In fact, when I dug into it a little bit, just to see, I always try to check the definition of a word just to make sure I'm thinking about it correctly. And uh, the word here is the same word that uh, maybe like, in Catholicism, you've heard uh, Eucharist, that word, like when you take of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, so to speak, in the Catholic Church, they call it that. Well, that's the word giving thanks. Um, I don't know how to say it, but it looks like Eucharist with an O on the end of it, right? E-O, Eucharist, uh, whatever. So that word actually means to give thanks, to be grateful, kind of the idea. And I guess where the Lord's Supper kind of takes on that name is because in the Gospels, Jesus always gives thanks and then breaks the bread and gives the cup. And so it took on this name, Eucharist, the giving of thanks. Um, but that's actually the word here. And, and it, it appears 65 times in the New Testament. And it appears in a lot of different contexts. It appears in a lot of different places. Paul uses it a lot in his letters. He, you know, you can even think about times he says in the letter, I give thanks for you to God, or I give thanks, um, me and the brethren, or me and the, uh, the Christians here give thanks to God about you, or in 1 Thessalonians here in 5.18, right, give thanks in everything, he uses that a lot, when you go through and look at the word, you see it pop up a lot, and the one thing that sticks out to me in this is how many different ways it's used, Jesus gave thanks, Paul gave thanks, in Acts a couple different times, it's noted that the Christians gave thanks for this or for that. And I started, it started to dawn on, me, dawn on me how complete this idea of being thankful is in a Christian's life. There's all kinds of circumstances and scenarios in which this word is placed, but it's always placed. Like Whether Christians are being persecuted and they come together, they're giving thanks. Paul's in prison and he's writing to people and he's thankful for them. Or we're going to talk about this some more in Colossians. He's writing about all the blessings in Jesus and he's thankful. 
and just thanks and thanks and thankfulness, gratefulness, you might even say. And so I would say that we often have kind of these markers, like as a Christian, you should be known for something. We spent a lot of time going through 1 Corinthians 13, and a big part of that was as a Christian, you should be known for love, right? That should be kind of the mark of a, of a believer, of a disciple of Jesus. The more I looked at this, I started to think, and I never thought about thankfulness this way, but I'm thinking thankfulness is a mark of a believer. Being able to be thankful in everything. And when I thought that, I felt really condemned in that. Because there's really like kind of a narrow set of circumstances that I tend to be thankful. Like when those parameters are met, when the conditions are met, you can produce in Josh thankfulness. But the other like 75% of the time, I'm just kind of, you know, there. I'm like, I'm not upset necessarily, but I'm not particularly thankful. I'm just kind of there, right? Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in everything. Be grateful in everything. It's the same kind of word. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. You know, this might be a nuance of meaning here, and I think you could get this from 1 Thessalonians 5. But in Ephesians chapter 5.20, it says this, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you have 1 Thessalonians 5 saying, Give thanks in all circumstances, and Ephesians chapter 5 is, Give thanks and for everything. You basically have this idea of give thanks in everything and for everything. That's a very uh, convicting two passages if we were to look at nothing else, just plainly for me. Rarely do I give thanks in everything, and definitely rarely do I give thanks for everything. There's a lot of reasons that probably play out in my heart and in my head for why that is, and you probably can think of a few yourself. But as a believer, as a disciple in Jesus, I need to be marked by this Eucharist, this giving of thanks. It needs to be a part of not just the product of my hands, but I think what's being suggested is it's a part of my character. It's who I am. In everything and for everything, I am thankful and grateful. Um, There's a lot of reasons, I think, why you should be thankful. I think some of them are more obvious than others. For instance, 1 Thessalonians 5 says it's God's will for you. Like God wants you to be thankful. In fact, when God looks at his plan, part of the purpose of his plan, as indicated here, is that it would produce in you a thankfulness. That's kind of the idea of a will, right? Like I put something in place that is to benefit or to produce something. And what God is saying through Paul here is like part of that is that you would be thankful. That you would have thankfulness in everything. And so I think that's probably the most fundamental and plain reason is that, you know, it's God's will for you. If you're going to be thankful, that is something that God actually wants and wills for you. Um, But another thing I think kind of on the converse of that uh, is God is displeased when you're not. If that's not plain enough, if it's not simple enough to say that it's God's will for you to be thankful, and then you could kind of deduce that that means he would be displeased if you weren't. 2 Timothy 3 actually tells us this, um, if you want to look there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, read verses 1 through 5 with me. 
But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people." You know, God's saying the people that are sinful, that are supposed to be avoided, are ungrateful people. That's part of their character. Which would imply for me, not only is it God's will for me to be thankful, but that when I'm ungrateful or unthankful, God looks at me, at least in part, when he sees that in me, and could say that, like, hey, that's the type of person I actually am displeased with. They are the type of person that should be avoided by believers. If I'm a Christian, if I'm a disciple of Jesus and I'm an ungrateful person, there's some part of me, there's some facet of me that other believers actually should avoid. And that's not what I think about very often. I don't think about it in those terms. But I want to be a follower of God that people don't have to have reservations about. That God doesn't have to offer a caveat toward. You know, Josh, he's, he's a follower of me, but there's one aspect of him that you need to not take on, you need to avoid, and that's that he's ungrateful. I don't want God to be able to say that about me, and I don't want God to be able to say, you know, Josh has lived into my will, or he has fulfilled parts of my will, but as far as thankfulness and giving thanks and everything, he's not there. I don't want that said. And I, I, I think it's pretty clear that God is displeased with that. Unthankfulness, I think just to put it even more simply, is a sin. To be ungrateful is an error that we need to avoid. Um, in fact, uh, we've been studying through Romans uh, in Decatur on Tuesday nights, part of one of our, the meetup studies that I'm helping with. And uh, look, at ver- look at Romans chapter 1 and what it says beginning in verse 18. It starts by saying this, The wrath of God is revealed. And he's going to describe why or how. From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, but because, or because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Part of kind of this downward spiral that Paul's describing in Romans 1 is ungratefulness, is being unthankful. They look at what they perceive around them and they see God's invisible attributes, namely his divine power, Uh, or his eternal power and his divine nature. And rather than being moved to what you'd assume would be, right? Rather than moving to honor God or moving to be thankful to God, they don't honor him as God and they're not thankful. Why would I want to relate to that? If I'm a disciple of Jesus, why would I want to have that in common with someone who God is pouring wrath out on. As a disciple of Jesus, I should actually be marked by the opposite. When I perceive God's 
eternal power and divine nature, I, as a believer, should be moved to honor God. And I, as a believer, should absolutely turn and say, well, thanks to God for this. Or I'm thankful that God has shown me this or is this way. Or I have this to see about him or to know him better by. To, to, to be unthankful in that sense is to have God's wrath poured out on you. Or it can prompt that from God. Um, so why should I be thankful? It's God's will for me. It's a sin to be unthankful and it displeases God. And actually, God pours his wrath out on those who are not thankful. So that's why I should be thankful. That's kind of a negative reason. Also, um, I think it's a product. Thankfulness is a product of God's presence in our lives. I think it really shows that like we know God and God knows us. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 indicate this. When he talks about the peace that passes understanding, what accompanies that is uh, thankfulness. Let's read these verses together here. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety in my life can be dealt with not only through prayer, but by finding ways to be thankful. When I show God that I trust him in prayer and, I, and I'm showing thankfulness, it seems to me that in those requests is where the peace of God steps in. And so I would say that thankfulness really proves or shows in a lot of ways that God is operating in my life. What other reason would I have to be thankful if I didn't know Philippians 4, 6, for instance? Um, also, uh, we're going to be flipping a few more times throughout this study. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 12, just a couple pages over, says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if, if, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, and above all uh, these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to in, which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So the peace of God in Philippians 4 and the peace of God in Colossians 3 seem to be intrinsically tied to being thankful. When you have anxiety, you let your request be made known to God. You cast your fears on Him and be thankful. In Colossians 3 here, as you're called and as Christ rules in the body, be thankful. And the peace of God dwells there. So why should I be thankful? I think one reason is it's kind of a proof or an evidence that God is working in my life. If I want to know if God's working in me, I think one easy way is to say, am I thankful in everything? Am I thankful for everything? And that might be an indicator whether I'm actually in a relationship with God where he's producing in me the fruit that he wants to see his will. Um, So with all that, with all that, I I offer to you kind of this idea that God wants us to be thankful. It's his will. There's a few reasons that I threw out and I'm sure you can find more biblical reasons why we should be thankful. So I'm going to ask this question and this is kind of the meat of the lesson. How can I be thankful in everything? Like what are some 
things that I can think about? What are some circumstances that I can approach with a certain mentality or a certain set of tools to produce thankfulness or to give me the kind of knowledge that I need to have in that situation to work out thankfulness? Um, I'm going to kind of take a principle here and kind of start pushing it through some certain circumstances. So the principle that I want us to kind of consider, that is the foundation, that is Romans 8, 28. And this is part of why I said at the beginning of this lesson that I'm gearing this at people who God sees as Christians. Not who Josh sees as Christians, not who um, Kirby or Blake see or Paula. When God looks at you, does he see someone who's submitted to their will, to his will? Well, that's who this lesson is aimed at. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says this. And we know that for those who love God, right? And who determines who loves God? Well, God does. For those who love God, all things work together for good and for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, that's a, that's a phrase, right? That we can just say, oh, I love God, and so this is me, right? God determines who loves him. And so if I'm living according to the things that he's taught me, that's how I know that I can know God looks at me as one who loves him, right? So I say that to say, if you're not a Christian, I don't think this verse applies to you. I don't think necessarily everything's going to work out to your ultimate good because you're not forgiven, for one. And there's a lot to say about that. But if that's the principle as a Christian, if that's the lens through which I can funnel things, like my life events and the ups and downs I go through is that God says eventually, like in the ultimate sense, these things are going to work together for your good, right? Because we have eternity, we have God, all those things. We have forgiveness. Then what happens when I encounter a scenario like in Romans 5? Look in Romans 5. Look what's described here beginning in verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Man, who is thankful during tribulation? You know, if I'm going to be thankful in everything and for everything, how can I be thankful for tribulation? Well, it's because God's working out his will for me. First Thessalonians 5, right? It's God's will for you to be thankful. So how can I be thankful in tribulation? Well, if the lens through which I'm looking at, my worldview is that all things are going to work out for those who love God to their good, then I understand this because God is working in me a better character, right? Verse 3 here says that. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame, right? I don't, I am not thankful through tribulation and suffering unless I know that God is going to work it out for good, unless I believe that. That's God's will for me that I can be thankful even in tribulation and struggle. Or as it says in this text, suffering. Another example of this is Matthew chapter 5. We won't read these verses, but in verse 10, right? 10 through 12, if you read that, basically the idea is summed up in verse 10. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Well, how can I believe that? The idea is like, if I'm blessed when I'm persecuted, and I really believe that and I understand that, wouldn't that then produce thankfulness in me when I'm persecuted? If I see blessing and persecution, naturally comes what comes with that is I should be thankful. Now, the text doesn't say be thankful when persecution comes, but I think that's a natural product of seeing a blessing, right? If I see a blessing, I should be grateful for that blessing, right? Well, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I should be thankful when I'm persecuted for righteousness' sake. Why? Well, as a disciple of Jesus, I know that that's for my good, right? I can be thankful because that's God's will for me in all things. James chapter 1. This is the last example that I'll offer for this. James chapter 1. Kind of offers the same idea uh, in a different phrasing or a different light. In verses 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And eventually says, you know, and that steadfastness will make you complete lacking in nothing, right? How can I be thankful in trial of various kinds unless I know that it's for my good, unless I know that it makes me perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? I can't, and I won't, unless I understand that's God's will for me in that, to be perfect and complete by that. So... How can I be thankful in trials and sufferings and tribulations and persecutions? Well, I would suggest to you, you can't if you're not one who loves God the way that he describes that. But for those of us who do love God and we are Christians, we're disciples of Jesus, because we know that it works for our good and we know that all of these things produce something for us or in us. So, I want to suggest to you another idea on how can I be thankful? Well, remembering that all things work together for good, right? Even in trial and all that stuff. But also by praying. You know, how can I be more thankful in my life? Philippians 4, 6, which we already read, right? says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. But also Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, right? If I'm struggling or you're struggling with thankfulness in your life or in my life, which I do, one way I could combat that is to take on the worldview that I love God and so there's some way that this is God's will to work good for me, which is what we were looking at just a moment ago. The next thing is, if I'm lacking in thankfulness or gratefulness, learn to pray. Learn to pray. Because when you start looking at how to pray, more often than not, it's tied with thankfulness. These two verses illustrate that. Being diligent in it, sometimes I struggle with being diligent in prayer. And so I'm so focused on being diligent in prayer, I forget the last part that says with thanksgiving. I'm just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to knock it out. I'm going to hit my, like, kind of my rote thing, make sure I get my five minutes in. And I totally lack the character or the purpose of thankfulness. 
So if I'm lacking in that, I need to pray more. In fact, I found this really interesting. And now every time I think of the book of Daniel, I think about Richard doing all those lessons on the book of Daniel. Um, and I think he may have even talked about this. Um, but in Daniel chapter 6, I thought this was really cool. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I personally had ever noticed this, even though I'm sure people like Richard have brought this out before. I just never paid attention to it. Um, so Daniel, right, he's uh, living in a time where the king said, you know what, you have to bow to this idol that I made at certain times of the day, and if anyone sees you worshiping another god, you're going to be killed. And this is when you get to verse 10 in chapter 6. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, that's the decree about the idol, right? He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. You know, I've read those verses before, and I've always thought it was really neat that Daniel apparently was so ingrained with the habit of praying to God three times a day that even when people signed a, a law into effect that he wasn't supposed to do that, he still did it. The part that I hadn't paid attention so much was that he wasn't just this idea of just praying and pleading with God. It was just like he was giving thanks. And Daniel's situation was pretty messed up. Like he, That's not his homeland. He wanted to be in Jerusalem. I mean, he's even opening the window towards Jerusalem and praying all the time. These are not his people. The law is not friendly towards his beliefs or his character. And yet, when he prays three times a day, with this kind of imminent threat hanging over his head, he's giving thanks. I think that, in short, sums up everything I've been trying to say up to this point in the lesson. It is God's will for you to be thankful. Daniel understood that, despite the trials, despite the persecution, despite whatever struggles that he may have faced. In everything and for everything, Daniel shows us how to be thankful. In just one little verse there. And so that needs to be me, that needs to be you. So how can I be thankful in everything? By remembering Romans 8.28, everything works out together for good for those that love him, right? By praying, and lastly, I think Colossians 1, if you want to turn there, brings this idea to light. I can be more thankful if I make a habit of reflecting on what God has done. Actually meditating and thinking about that. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, if you want to look in these verses with me, it's, I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. I'll start in verse 11, sorry. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glory might, glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the, of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thankfulness is God's will for you. Your character needs to be marked by being grateful and thankful in everything, 1 Thessalonians 5, for everything, Ephesians 5. And if you're struggling with that and you're a believer, if you're a disciple, 
put on the lens that whatever it is is going to work together for your good, and so you should be thankful. Right? If you're a believer, your prayer life should make you a more thankful person. Look at Daniel. And finally, as you sit back and you think about where you are and you think about spiritual things and you think about Jesus, Colossians 1 is saying that thankfulness is tied to what Jesus has done. The fact that he's transferred us into the kingdom of light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of our sins. And so as verse 12 says there, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So if you're like me and you're not a very thankful person, a very grateful person for the things that you have or that you experience, hopefully this lesson ingrains in you or helps solidify or reaffirm this idea that God's people are thankful people. It's not tied to a context. It's not tied to a political party. It's not tied to like my income. It's not tied to any of that stuff. It's tied to what God has done for us. It's tied to the worldview that we are taking care of, that things are going to work out to our good. And it's tied to that we can talk to God. Those are all things that make us thankful. And so I hope that this lesson has been helpful for you. Of course, if you're not a Christian living by the love of God the way that he's defined that, if you haven't repented as the Bible constantly talks about, if you haven't been baptized as the Bible's endlessly teaching us, if you haven't dedicated your life um, to following Jesus and being a disciple, um, you're you can't really be as thankful as you should be. And ultimately, I think what Romans 1 points out to us is um, there's wrath for those that are not in God's good graces and being thankful for what Jesus has done for them. So if that's you, I would encourage you to change that. But for most of us in this room, I imagine we are believers and we maybe just need to be reminded sometimes of the thankfulness we should have. So I hope this lesson's helpful for you. If there's something you need to change or you need prayers about or you need help with, let somebody in this room know this song is a time for you to think about that. So while Richard stands and sings, we'll, I hope that you would give that some thought. Thank you.